Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 2 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, and with me is, as always, is my younger... <laughs> that, that, that doesn't work. Every time I try to change it up, I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. There you go. That's that's me. Well, you know, that's the whole reason I brought it up the one time, is now it's in your head. It's like an earworm, and now it's just... Every time you go to do it, you're going to think about me making fun of you, which is yeah, the Thank whole you point. for sabotaging my intro. Appreciate yeah. that. Master of Psychology. I was in psychology for an entire semester in college. Wait, really? Yeah, and that was really bad because then I started psychoanalyzing everything because I'm over-analytical to begin with. So now giving me, like, research backing was, like, the worst idea ever. <laughs> Not a good fit. No. Well, hey, if, if, if this is your first time with Matchwits, we're uh, nostalgia-infused, somewhat pop culture. Uh, Chris is the pop culture. I'm the nostalgia <laughs> uh, podcast where we, we talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Um as part of our uh, ongoing episodes, we have these friendly, brotherly bets. Um, we finished last season, uh, season six. I owed Chris five dollars, and I don't yeah. think we had any last time, did we? I don't know. I, no, looked, I don't think so. Looked in my notes, so so I still owe you five. I should just pay you five. We can start with a clean slate in season seven. So, ooh, excuse me. Nice. This is a uh, this is going to be a fun episode. I was kind of looking forward to this because uh, it touches on a on a topic uh, that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into music and and music and theme songs related to me, uh, to, to movies. Um, and yeah, you're, I have... you're welcome. You're welcome for coming up with this topic too. We, <laughs> we, had, we had something else picked out. I don't even remember what it was. And then it was like Wednesday or Thursday. I saw like a list of of themes theme music, and it just sent me down a rabbit hole. And you had talked about you wanted to find something that you could talk about nostalgically, and I was gives you ample opportunity to talk about how cool you once were <laughs> i don't know it was cool like well at least where it started um and we were going to talk about like movies that didn't hold up like movies that could never be made today like either with the technology or you know <laughs> whatever just movies that didn't hold up this is a much better topic so uh for those of you who don't know um I have a deep, deep love for for music, and uh, I started. I have a very vivid memory of how I how I got into. I'm a, I play drums, so I guess that's borderline musicianship. Um, it's you know, drums are probably the least musical of the instruments. It's all all rhythm, um, but uh, very distinctive memory uh, of our childhood. So Chris and I shared a room. Uh, for many years growing up until I was, I became a real a proper teenager. Uh, and then I got shipped down to a room in the basement that the parents <laughs> made. Um, but in this house on uh, on Wayne Street that we grew up in, this brick craftsman house built in the 1920s, I have this very distinct memory. And I, I again, I don't want to say it was maybe eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Um, I, I started like really getting into wanting to play drums. I don't know where it came from. Uh, There's a couple of songs on the radio that kind of got me into it. MTV was big at the time. So watching people play uh, play drums was was kind of entertaining. And I was like, man, I would love to do that. So I have this very distinct memory. So I had no drum set. We were not a musical family. I don't know that we had any musical instruments in the house growing up. Like, no, unless no you piano. count like those r- recorders that you got when you were in grade school. Right, that you, that you were just... forced, to, forced <laughs> to buy when you were in, in grade school. Yeah. So I, I would use, if you remember, the original Genus edition of Trivial Pursuit had yep. the dark blue. It came with two boxes of cards. So I would use the two boxes of cards 
and mom's knitting needles <laughs> to play drums and pillows, right? Because you're typically pillows, very much like Baker Mayfield playing the Phil Collins uh, yeah. in the air tonight drum solo. Except I would do that sitting on my bed with the with the window open at the house on Wayne Street during the summer, playing air drums to this song. Oh boy. <laughs> And I would rock out this part right here to build. Sure. And I would do it for hours. 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 Play. I I can't remember if I had the album or the cassette um, on the stereo that we had, and I would play it and play it and play it. Probably cassette. So finally. What? It was probably cassette because. Oh, no. Because we used to have that. What was the name of the receiver that had the the simon lights in the front do you remember what i'm talking about like the stainless steel one that had the big before you got the cd player the the all black no no i had one in between because our our grandmother was like for my birthday one year she took me to busy beaver (laughs) which was like (laughs) true they they sold like you could buy like two by fours but they also had like a a section where you could buy Stereo. stereos <laughs> and i got the three-in-one that was the radio cassette record player uh, with the maybe. two speakers i think it was a sanyo uh that i bought that we had in our room that's what i would i would listen to i would listen to night ranger and play <laughs> drums on trivial pursuit boxes so i had the passion but i had a passion for i think for a lot of things because mom and dad were really skeptical about me playing an instrument paying for drums are probably the most expensive instrument just sure. to get into Right, because it's either you get a practice pad or a full drum kit was way way expensive. Sure. So, fast forward is like my freshman year uh, at at prep, and they're recruiting for the band, right? And the band, not necessarily the most glamorous, you know. <laughs> uh, when you go to a school full of uh, all all guys, um, you know, playing the band was probably not. It had a little bit of a stigma attached to it, but anyways, I was like, hey. The band director's like, I will give you free drum lessons if you join the band. <laughs> so, sure. Mr. Franzalia, rest in peace, gave me drum lessons. I would go every like Wednesday or Thursday after school into the band room for a half hour, and he would teach me traditional old school. Like, he wasn't a drummer; he was a you know he was the band instructor, but he would teach me how to how to play drums. So. Yeah. Steve, you think you think being in the band had a stigma? I was the president of the AV club and was on morning like the video announcements. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's, that's not bad. Wait, yes, it was. Like this is Steve. You have to remember back in the, that time, being a nerd wasn't cool yet. So like we were probably on par with like the band guys and the drama nerds. You know what I mean? Like we're not the jocks. We're not. We're not the class president guys. We're the guys that like to play with VCRs and. <laughs> And that right. kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's not like either of us were necessarily the coolest people in or in high school. Right. So, but I was in the band. And the one thing about the band I will say at the time is it was the only co-ed activity yep. that we had at our all-male high school, which was there was two all-girl Catholic schools. And they were able to join in if they played instruments or they could be in the color guard. So... For a you know for a ninth grader going through whatever it was a great opportunity to get around mm-hmm. some 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 girls and kind of interact as socially awkward as I was at the time uh, and, and and got <laughs> yeah, to play t- drums so times have really changed Steve yeah no, they haven't changed it's at all so now, much cooler now so 
So I, I get in the prep band, um, take the lessons. I'm in the marching band. Uh, I also joined the jazz band. Um, and part of the jazz band was we did movie theme songs. So I remember playing, distinctively playing these songs, like having to learn how to play these songs. I'm going to play a couple for you now. But this is where now I was moving from playing on a practice pad and playing on a, just a marching snare drum. I, actually, in prep band, I started playing the big bass drum. You know, yep. like the, They gave me the biggest one they had. Mm -hmm. I think after... I played it that season. They retired. Like no, they're like no kid should have to carry this monstrosity <laughs> on their back. But I was like, oh, thanks, thanks. I'm glad I got to carry it for a you know a three mile parade in 90 degree heat wearing a wool wool. Well, I'll call it a costume, but a uniform. Was he think it's wool, Steve? I'm pretty sure that was polyester. I'm pretty sure like if you caught know. on fire, that would melt to your skin. Like oh yeah, you're probably right. But I mean, those yeah. were the old like those those jackets with the ugh. sure. I still um, remember that picture of you playing the quads when you were at band camp and you had like the one stick in your teeth and you had the big like Oakley sunglasses on. I remember that was like, oh yeah, cool, and mom made cool. it into a poster. I wish I, I wish I could find that picture somewhere because that was that was gold. The That's Oakley not... sunglasses. It was open. I had my black Let There Be Drums uh, T-shirt on underneath, yeah. uh, and that was actually after a parade. It was one of those parades where it was like ninety degrees. You have to wear this <laughs> long sleeve polyester. Like you just sweated your face off. Because you have to march for like three hours. So, anyways, the in but in jazz band you got to play the whole kit, which is where I, I really liked playing the playing the drum kit. And we play, you know, they would, you know, we would play at um, rallies. Uh, yeah. We would play at, um, and so we want to have recognizable stuff. So here are the, the two songs that we that I distinctly remember us playing, and we also played the theme from Mash. But I think like <laughs> Mash is a sore subject between us, so I'm gonna play this one. Boom, 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 boom. Awesome. Like, is great it, for is a jazz this band. Miller? No, Night Court. You're Night close. Court. Sorry. Hey, so, we would play this. It was always close because isn't Night Court a spinoff of Barney Miller? No. Wasn't Harry Anderson's judge character on Barney Miller? Uh, dollar bet? No. Oh, you're not going to bet that? Here's the other one. I hope I'm doing this. I used to course, rock this. Of course. Of course you would love this one. <laughs> Thomas Sullivan. Dun, 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 dun. All that those like seventies, eighties bass lines. Yeah. I remember you guys playing the uh the one time we went and came and saw you. I was in grade school still, but you played the Star Wars theme. And I remember I was so so jazzed for that. Nope. That wasn't you? Mm -mm, wasn't Star Wars. That's what I was getting to. So, oh. fast forward, through, uh, get through the jazz band, finally get, I think, I can't remember when I actually got a drum set, but it was a big deal in our family when I got that Pearl drum set, which I still have to this day. Steve, uh, I remember when we got, when mom and dad got you the bass drum, the the, the snare, snare and the yep. hi-hat. Well, no, because they, they, it was at grandma and grandpa's house in, in Conneaut, and they had a box that had my name on it. It was huge. And I, I got mm -hmm. super excited. Dad pulled me to the side and was like, Chris, I don't want to I don't want to kill your Christmas morning, but that's actually for Steve. That's the drum, the, the drums that we got him. But we couldn't put it in a box because Steve would know that it was for him. And I remember I was so defeated. And he just looked at me in the eyes. though. He goes, if you tell him. You will get no presents. And I was like, oh, all right. I'm like, Steve, seven years younger than you. So you got that, what, freshman, sophomore year of high school? I'm probably sophomore, like 15-ish. So I was eight. 
I was being threatened by my father about <laughs> spoiling Christmas at eight, but I clearly remember like them. It was behind because I remember in the basement of that house in Conneaut, we had that tiny little ceramic tree that they used to put on the table and then they used to fill because it was all of our family together. So it was me you and Jen. So it's three plus the Christie's. That was two more plus all the Marlowe's. So you had like 14 kids in all of their Christmas presents. So you could put a big tree up because it would take up the entire room and then you would have to fill all the presents in. So they put it behind the chair. Oh, I remember it was my best Christmas ever. Ever. I think we have still photos of that too. Of and just and sitting mom there. was so proud when she at the end, and I was completely. I don't think I dejected. slept the night. You, slept you the night before. Dejected. I was like, you were mad. I remember you sitting in the corner like mad because you didn't get it, and I was just like, I was eight, and I wanted to gloat in your face, but yeah. I, dad threatened. I think me. in hindsight, that's like, I, and you, I wonder like why I like that kind of like, you know, set my kids up and be like, oh, no, here it is. This is something cool for you. You know what I mean? Like, I know where I get it now. I was like, I was completely brokenhearted. Sure. I'd been up the night before. Like, I couldn't sleep. I was restless. I was like, God, just just the drum. Just like, I want. And then I got it. And then it was like playing. And, and, and I'm sure it drove the parents nuts. Everybody. It drove everybody <laughs> insane. But, Steve, think about it. You, like, you, we kind of tease and, and ridicule our parents for doing that. You re- re- still remember that day. 30, 32 years later, I still remember that that day. Oh, yeah. 30, 30 years later, because you have to, the highs aren't as great if the lows aren't. You know what I mean? Like, you yep. have to go through that emotional swing for it to really hit that crescendo. So, right. You see what I did there with the musical terminology? I did. I see. I see <laughs> how you brought that all together. So, <laughs> so going back to prep band, and I was only in prep, I want to say I was in like two and a half years in the band. Like, I didn't do the full four years. I said, I don't think because I, I had a falling out with the band director. I got, I don't know, the drama, the drama. Uh, the, I don't know. I might have told him the f off or something. I don't know what it was. I don't know. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, like, I'm sure it was my fault. Like I was being irrational. Like probably. And, you know, it was like anything. You're a teenager, and it's a little bit different between you're 14 and 15 than when you're 17 and 18. <laughs> like, sure. Like I was working now at Let There Be Drums. Um, I was driving. There was other stuff going on. So I, I don't think I did it. I, I dropped out or quit my, my senior year. But one of the things about band is band camp, right? So uh-huh. you would go for, yeah, no, because it, now American Pie ruined band I, camp for everybody. But Yeah, because everyone thinks band camp was like cool. And there was like all this naughty stuff going on. But like, it's band camp, dude. Well, it, it it was cool, and of course, I was the one that would get in trouble at band camp uh, and have to like. And it was you know eerie in August, so it was like ninety degrees. <laughs> you had to have a, a drum, you know. And I play, I think at the time I played quad, so you have to have drums strapped to you all day out in the hot sun. Um, and then you're in a cabin up. I think it was Camp Clonodo. Is that a, is that sound like a thing? Yeah, is that the name that of a camp up. in Erie. Yeah. So we would be up on one, or maybe Camp Notre Dame, but we would be up in one set of cabins with the boys, and then the girls would, and the color guard were down in another cabin. So somehow we decided one night, me and a couple of the other hoodlums decided we were gonna we were gonna sneak out. We ended up sneaking out to go raid their cabin, and there was nobody in the cabin. I don't know where they went, but that cabin was empty. And then we got stuck out, and we just stayed out all night. Which hindsight, not a smart thing to do. Because parents are all worried, whatever, and we, you know, we weren't getting in trouble, but we were, you know, we we're just out in the middle of the woods, just right. hanging out, being teenagers. We show up the next morning, 
exhausted and of course we got in a load of trouble and we had to clean the entire kitchen on top of all the other stuff we had to do that day with no sleep and then of course i got in a heap of trouble with mom and dad because like we stayed out all night they didn't know what we were doing if we were drinking smoking whatever so yeah you're probably just chewing yeah, that's, I think that's exactly what it was. I think we were Gross. dipping, um, and we sat out. Like we were just sitting on this picnic table. Like it was one of those things. You like we've never been, like we've been out all night. We like, sitting yeah. outside. It was kind of cool, the moonlight and all that. And then like the skunk comes by, and we're like <clears throat> freaking out that we're gonna get we're gonna get sprayed by a skunk. So it was not. We didn't really do anything horrible other than we stayed out all night. Ooh, but par- party animals. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a band party. Rebel. So, but that but that year at band camp, I just can't remember it being really hot. I got in a lot of trouble. But going back to your point of us playing Star Wars, we didn't play Star Wars. We played another John Williams great, and this was what we did every year. You would do this massive performance for the halftime shows, and we would use this in the band competitions. And they went over the top on the production of this particular, you know. Uh, kind of weave through a bunch of the music from this from this movie, but it was really kind of cool. We won some awards for doing it. It was a lot of fun, but we built this whole city. So let me, before we do anything else, let me, let me tee this up here. Um, so we've talked about theme songs. So the prep band played this song, and again, it was a whole production. Now, a girl that I was kind of dating at the time played Indian, uh, played the uh, main character, which had a drawn-on beard and everything. Yeah. It's got a little weird... So good. Like I could probably still play the the Tiffany the, drums, the drum, the drum part on this, the like the, the snare drum part or the quad part. And so I, I just don't think that kids nowadays appreciate what Indiana Jones was. Like those that we don't talk about Crystal Skulls. Like that wasn't that wasn't Indiana Jones. That was them just kind of, but those first three movies are probably some of my favorite of all times. And the, just all like the legend and that one of the things that Spielberg said, he was like, I designed it to be a serial from like the 1930s, like the throwback and stuff. And so one of the people or one of the film critics said that he originally designed it to be viewed in black and white. So about three or four years ago, I went back and rewatched Raiders in black and white and it's just as good, if not better. Because he designed it to be viewed in black and white. It was supposed to be a throwback to, uh, I forget what the name of the character is. But he couldn't get the rights to it. So he wrote mm-hmm. his, him and Lucas wrote his own version of it. It's basically like fan fiction. It was, uh, who was it? Sean Connery played him in something and somebody minds. I can't remember what it is, but he designed it to be like that. So I went back and rewatched it. And John, John Williams' score mixed with Harrison Ford at his cocky bravado best with Spielberg's <laughs> direction it's just it's as flawless a movie that you can see especially when it comes to Raiders I have my problems with Temple of Doom and Last Crusade was great just because it had Sean Connery in oh it, yeah I mean yeah it was like you know, like a lot of those trilogies like either the second one is the star or the second one is like a meh. yeah but Last Crusade was so good it was so, so good, good. And he um, was only like eight years older than Harrison Ford in that movie I forget what the, yeah, like it's less than 10 years. Like, cause I think Connery was like in his fifties and Harrison Ford was already like 40 at that time. But yeah, that's when only... Harrison Ford was like in six of the top grossing movies <laughs> of this top 10, most gross, yeah. the highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah. The three Star Wars and the three Indiana Jones. That's what I mean. Like if you look the first three, actually the first four I wrote down on my list of best theme songs are all John Williams. 
Oh yeah, I have a ton of John Wayne. So, but before before we do that, right? No, no, so, no. I wasn't segueing. It was just I, no, no, no. Oh, I noticed okay. that I, I start all the John Williams ones next to it, and then Alan Silvestri's and the Danny Elfman's ones. They're all kind of running together. Oh crap! I didn't even do the Danny. Like this is going to be a this is gonna be a <laughs> six hour podcast. This I tell you, when I had my list, I have thirty or twenty six yeah. on my list. So, what, what one of the things I wanted to do kind of before we jump in to go and I have a bunch of like music teed up here, but it, when I was, it was, I was at a work thing. It was kind of funny. Like they, they did. I was at a work function a couple, like last month when I was in Vegas, it was like at a happy hour and they were like, Hey, go around and mingle, talk to people, blah, blah, blah. And you know, if, and, and, you know, as an icebreaker, tell somebody what your, your walk in, like your intro song would be like, if you're walking in for WWF or IFC or whatever, like what would your, what would your intro theme be? Our, I, we've had this conversation between my friends and I for years, Steve, and mine has never wavered. And you're not going to know it, and it, I didn't cue it up, but it's the opening of DMX's first album. It's dark and hell is hot, and it's got these bass drums in it, and it's the greatest. Like, I actually mm. had the musical cues of what I want to happen. Like, when the first one goes off, the arena goes black. And when the second drum hits, like the fire shoots out. And then when the beat starts is when I walk out mad with the fog machines and like strobe lights. Yeah. yeah well, and- what, what would yours be? Yeah. That's not bad. It's, it's pretty legit. Like, sure. Like as a, as a kind of get you pumped up, walk in. Like, it's just a great, like, it's a great song. And I've got this, uh, I don't say love, hate. There's there's a thing, I, like, Eminem to me is is a great, like, just a great rap artist. But he's got, like, I like, Vince was really into him, and that's how I kind of got into it. And I had, like, his greatest hits or whatever I downloaded for Vince. I was like, man, some of those songs were, like, they were, like, punk rock and, like, so, like, raw, emotional. And then you have these ones that are just... <laughs> I don't want to say they weren't good, but they just they 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 were the complete opposite of like complete raw emotion. They were kind of funny and sure, like narcissistic that's, and whatever. But that's the one of the that things. If you go ahead, sorry, that's one of the things that I will always argue with Eminem being one of the top lyricists of all times is he tells great stories and he can shift between the corny and the the borderline satire to the ones that like dude Stan. Like the the concept of being a stan at this point in time is now in the cultural lexicon. Like, you know what I mean? Like when people are on social media talking about their weird obsessions with celebrities, it's called stanning. Like that's what it's called now. So for anybody to discount Eminem as being a gimmick or, or, you know, a one note, all he does is crass things, then you just aren't listening to the, the full library. Like, yeah, he does have some of those ones that are like lightning rods for being a pariah on social media and things like that. But then he also has ones that are really, really smartly written and, and well thought Toy out. Toy soldiers? So, yeah. Yeah, like, like exactly. Dude, the stuff the, like that was just, it was like, I would listen to, I was like, oh my God, this guy is holding, like, he is tearing himself open and putting it out there. And, sure. it, and it was good. The music, like, the beats were good. The, yeah. it, was, it was good. That's, that's what happens when you get Dre in your corner. But no, I agree. Like, the first <laughs> time point. I saw, first time I saw Eight Mile, I was kind of bummed that it wasn't in it. But the music that is in it, like, the, the end battle scenes are, are so good. And 
Yeah, M was actually not bad as an actor in it, but he basically was playing himself, so it's not really acting too far. But right, right, he was doing himself. So yeah, that's pretty legit. So that would be as of right now, that would be my my walk. Do, my do walk you want to hear song. mine, Steve? I queued it up while you were talking. Okay, yeah, here you go. Shoot, fucker, wit. So that's when the arena goes black. That's when the fire goes off. <laughs> Still, arena's still black with fire, and then as soon as the beat comes in, I come walking out mad with strobe lights. (laughs) I love DMX too. That's good. Here are the strobe lights and the smoke. And there's clips of me whooping people's asses. And here comes the body slams on the screen. So good. I didn't realize how long the intro was. Here I come. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, there's something about you got to you got to have that. I mean, and I think why lose yourself gives you is a good intro, and why that would be a good intro. Like it, it's got the build, right? You got you got the chimes. Anything with chimes at the beginning, bagpipes yep. at the beginning, <laughs> like, anything like that, where you can just get those those distinct hits and then and kind of build up to it. All right, so I've got a whole bunch of stuff teed up here on my uh my other computer that i'm going to play we're going to talk so again we're going to talk about theme songs we, we're going to have to try to trim this down because well sure and when you would text me about the difference between a theme song and a score for me it's it not necessarily has to be the theme like the superman theme or you know what i mean it's more about if i hear something it immediately makes me think of that movie so like we had talked at, at great lengths about breakfast club and Breakfast yep. Club really doesn't have a theme, but don't you forget about me? Sure, seems like it, right? Like, yeah, you I, can't hear that song without thinking about the Breakfast Club. And you can't Bender hear with you, the fist up, and yeah, you yeah, can't your so, eyes without thinking of saying say anything. Exactly, yeah. those aren't necessarily. I wouldn't consider that on the same level as the Superman theme or the the opening of Star Wars or anything like that. But those are themes. That that's good. Where would, where would you where would you put this? I don't is is Beverly Hills Cop that nope. recognizable anymore? Nope, not Beverly Hills Cop. Close, same same guy. You'll you'll recognize it in a second. Oh, it's Fletch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's not the cultural. Uh-oh. Can you hear that clicking? I can. Oh man, what did I do? You broke something. Again, it, but it just doesn't have the cultural significance. Like if 90, well, I don't want to say 99 out of 100, I would say probably 70 people out of 100 wouldn't know what that is. But you take those same those same people and and you put this up. You know what that is? I can't tell if that's Transformers or Avengers. It's Terminator 2, man. Oh, okay, neither. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. I was like, wait, we, I just played the Avengers one for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
the uh, but let's go, I want to go back to because Herod Faltemeyer did a couple, but they were they sound almost exactly the same, right? The uh, the Fletch theme and this one, which come on, this is pretty recognizable. I know it's like, hey, well, anybody over what thirty would yeah. recognize this? Thirty five, maybe. Yeah, I would say at least thirty five because this is Beverly Hills Cop. This is XLF, right? Right. Yeah, and this I mean, but this, and this was a radio hit. Yeah, but yeah, and this was. I remember. I, I I don't really have that much musical ability, and it pains me. But one of the things that I knew used to know how to play was that on that stupid Casio keyboard that we had. Remember that little white <laughs> that little white one that had the little the little tapes that you could mix in and out. And I used to be able to play the opening at least to actual to XLF on that Casio that we had. It was like that. I could play Furry Lease, and I could play like the first seven beats of. Uh, clocks by Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's pretty much it. You are a, you are a maestro. I wish. Like Steve, it's one of those things that it pains me. Like I love singing and I love dancing and I can't really do either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you won a dance competition when you were like six. Sure. And I can hold my own. Like I don't dance like a white dude. Like that's one of the compliments. They're like, hey, you're actually a surprisingly good dancer. Like, yeah, I get it. I wish I could dance better, but I really it upsets me that I can't sing. <laughs> like I love Pitch Perfect and I love those movies and I'm, I'm a big musical fan and I wish I could sing and I've done karaoke, but I wish I was better at it. So I'm jealous. Again, I playing drums is you know, that's borderline being a musician i like to joke um See, i disagree now, i this, the, it falls apart without drums well that's true and you gotta use all four limbs like that's the thing that was the hardest to go like to learn how to play drums is to get your limbs to work together yeah. and independently and independently that's when you you actually tried teaching me a little bit when i was younger and i got played i could play a little bit of drums benny's got a drum kit and we we dick around sometimes in his basement but it's one of the hardest things I have. Is it's not my hands, it's my feet. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't separate my feet. Yeah. So makes it hard. So this is this is funny. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but um, we were watching. So this is going to go typical uh, match with fashion. We're going to go way off topic here, <laughs> um, but it it's it's related. So <laughs> this is where my my ADD works. So we were sitting with the kids last night. And for some reason, um, Charlie was talking. Like they're they're watching these online things, right? And um, I don't know how we got on the topic of Slenderman, but I showed them Marble Hornets. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was I do. ten years ago that Marble Hornets came out, two thousand nine, and the tapes that the guy found were from two thousand six, which is the year Charlie was born. Charlie's now yep. a teenager. Yeah, I right. remember I sent that to you because I was really that was really when I got hardcore into those alternate reality games. It was Lost had just done that too. If you remember, remember the gaps in between Lost seasons, they would fill it in. The Dharma Initiative had the, like it, fake websites and stuff. Yeah, and you had to find clues, and you had to like it would take you down this weird rabbit hole. So I was really big into those. All, they call them ARGs, the alternate reality games, and I found that was right when. Slenderman really started I think it would just won that contest for like fake urban legend and it started like getting a little bit of traction and people started like putting up claiming to be real sightings and there were and the the kid did the Marble Hornets one and most of them didn't go anywhere but I remember being fascinated with that whole concept of 
the the kid that went looking and found like I forget what even the premise was, Steve. It was like his buddy went to make like a student film. Yeah, Marble Hornets was his student film. And he got he, he was, went missing and his buddy found some of the footage and he kept noticing there was a guy standing in the background of all of them. Freaky. Yeah. Still is freaky. Like yeah. And and for Charlie, who's really, I think he's got this, he's got like this storytelling, creative, like, I think he's drawn to theater and, and, and sure. movies. So this was something I was like, look at this, like this guy, like, here's how you can tell a story with almost no money, some super rough home video footage. Um, you can put this all together and, and like, you know, a lot of, there's no narration. It's all with like text what title, title cards title yep. cards right title cards so it's like these things happen and this and they walk you through it and then they show you like 30 seconds of like some video and then all of a sudden in the background you see this tall creature in a suit like a slenderman and mm-hmm. then they do things with the audio like that's just good storytelling like are you, are you calling it slenderman like it's phil spiderman <laughs> <laughs> it's not like his last yeah. name he's a slender man like I was wondering how long it would take you to pick up on that. Well, yeah. I let it go the first time, and I didn't know, and then you did it the second Slenderman. time. I was like, Slenderman. He's Phil. He's Phil <laughs> Slenderman. Oh, yeah. It's not like his last name. <laughs> so anyways, the, the, again, i got to bring this back around. So I don't use, like, I have a YouTube account. It's actually, like, a, it's, it's an acquired wit. So how long ago was that? The the acquired wit website? Oh, that was, wait, the acquired wit or a queried wit? <laughs> the, the properly spelled, spelled one yeah the one where you were just like hey I, I set your website up for you and i said okay and you sent me the link and i was like you know you spelled it wrong right <laughs> and you're like no it's spelled right and i was like no it's not yeah. but no the original one was that was a while ago yeah it had so to be 10 15 yeah, yeah. years ago so i'm pulling it up on the you know, watching youtube on the tv we're watching marble hornets and then i for some reason i look at my upload list because it has Maya when she did the stand-up comedy for the talent <laughs> show when she was like six. Yeah. And then it has a bunch of the Charlie movie trailers. <laughs> like the back and forth that you and I did. Yep. Right. For the, for the listeners out there, Chris did a three-minute-ish mini. It was a zone. trailer. It was a trailer originally. I, I had been – I got in contact with a buddy of mine was putting together like a series of trailers they were supposed to be grindhouse trailers that were going to be included in like the middle part of a movie. He was doing almost like a planet terror kind of grindhouse feature. And in between they would play the trailers in the middle of it. So I did, I was brought in to do a three minute one and I came up with the idea, uh, me and a buddy of mine named Dave Bolas came up with the idea about a zombie outbreak there in Vietnam. So we went and we did launched into full production and I shot out into the middle of this, this state park in Pennsylvania. And the Friday that we shot was beautiful. It was like sunny 65. And I brought this Vietnam, these Vietnam war reenactors in, I forget what the, like the 105th airborne, I think they called them, mm-hmm. but they came in and they set up camp and they lived in the camp overnight. And then, so we showed up on Friday to shoot and it was gorgeous, but the camp felt lived in and it looked awesome. And they did all this work. And then the next day, uh, Nor'easter rolled through and it was 45 degrees and driving rain, which looked cool on camera, but damn near killed most <laughs> of my cast and crew. Right. So I, I brought you in to do the theme or like the music for the, for the trailer so we go through what, however long it was, Steve, five, six months of from beginning to end, post or from pre-production to post-production, and then 
maybe two weeks after we posted the trailer, uh, I got a cease and desist letter from a comic company that said we had infringed upon their their trademark property. I still have it framed in my office. Yeah, was it like they called 1974 or something? Yeah, it was the name but, of their. It was yeah. about so it was about it was basically at the height of the zombie or maybe even before the height of the zombie. It was right when it was starting too. Yeah, like walking the thing with dead the Walking Dead and everything. Had, it was it was zombies in Vietnam. Yep. You know, the whole line. So I watched it yesterday, and there was like <laughs> the creative process. There, there was like a two distinct cuts of that trailer. Like, sure. there's one and, and two distinct. I must have done two completely separate scores. Yeah, I call it a score because it really. I mean, it's not a song. It's kind of just kind of weave through the kind of keeping um, a, a sound bed in there for what you would cut together with the, right. with the trailer. It was a lot of fun, but yeah. it, it, to me, it was a great kind of understand the process of how the music can drive the mood. It can drive the, can create tension. It can yeah. do all of that to, to a trailer, to a movie, to a TV show, whatever. So that was a fun project you and I worked on, but I just, I happened, it just happened to coincidentally stumble across it yesterday because I looked at, I don't have a ton of stuff uploaded to YouTube. Sure. And, and we were just looking at YouTube yesterday and I was like, Oh, look at this, all these Charlie trailers. So I showed it to Charlie and he was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Well, it's funny. Cause I've actually, I was cleaning, was going through like my old hard drives and stuff like that. And I found all the raw footage from Charlie. And so I wanted to learn Premiere and After Effects. I wanted to at least practice and I didn't really have any other footage. So I started recutting a trailer with nice. all of that old footage. Cause some of that stuff we got is really pretty. Like the cinematographer I work with named Rick Webb was awesome with, like, he tried doing some lens whacking and a lot of the stuff that he tried just experimentally worked in, in the, the tone of the, the overall piece or the overall the, the concept of the, the project itself. And I started cutting some of the footage together again. And yeah, there's some really strong stuff in there. And some of those guys went on to some of the, like the guy that played Sarge he was on, I think he was on burn notice for a few seasons. Like he's been on a bunch of, he went on and did a, a few more acting gigs and a couple of the other guys went on to do some other stuff. And then oh, the, the guy who had the talking part. Yeah. And then the oh, one guy nice. who played Doc, the medic, is my friend, Matt Strelecki, who works for, he worked for NFL Films in Mount Laurel, Jersey, and then moved out and is now working for the NFL Network with, he does uh, Red Zone. He does Red Zone Channel with Scott Hansen. Oh, nice. He's one of the producers on that. He's actually coming back in, I think, like a month. We're doing another, we're doing a, a war project together. I worked with him on another project called Undaunted that I, he brought me in to do like lighting design and stuff on it. And I was, yeah. But so like, I'm still friends with a lot of the people that worked on it. I love that project. It was such a crash course in what could go right and what could go wrong over the course of, dude, the, my head of my production manager, the guy named Doc, the guy that got me all of the warring actors got pneumonia from my shoot (laughs) dude it was like i said 65 and sunny on friday and then 40 i think it was 43 degrees and driving rain all day saturday like a lot of the people were just like dude we can't do this anymore like the whole end sequence of all like just the the montage of zombie shots we had to shoot in that barn because it was it was raining too bad and people were like getting sick and they like the guy that played fritz is a buddy of mine that played the heavy machine gunner and he had that big M60, yeah, yeah. which which was a real M60, Steve. So, like, at the beginning, he thought it was, like, all badass because he was like, yeah, look at the size of this gun. But 
carrying that in the rain for six hours, his hands turned purple because it was, it's a steel gun. So as soon as it starts getting cold, it starts sopping all of the heat out of your hands. And I remember walking up to him and he was like, Chris, I I have to, I have to go inside. I was like, what's wrong? He showed me his hands and they were like blue. I was like, oh God, man, man, go inside. So... Yeah, what a crap. I learned so much from that shoot. So yeah, much so, so that I haven't directed anything since then. <laughs> well, it, but it was a lot of fun for me to, to to work on that too, to do the do the soundtrack and score stuff. So I, I would encourage you to do another project so I can sure. so I can do uh, another soundtrack. Well, I also commissioned you to do a theme song for the web series that I want to do, and that was about two years ago, and I haven't gotten any temporary cuts of that yet. Uh, where was the web series? We got a chicken and the egg thing. You need the theme song so you can do the web series. Yeah, that's how I open the. That's how I open the series. Oh, okay. So if I if I come up with a remember, I told you I wanted it to be like icky or uh, yeah, yeah. Icky I, you, I thought I even sent you. Oh no, no I did. Um, you never sent me anything. Yeah, so. I did something. So I also did take one that, that was take like... that egg and shove it up the chicken's ass, buddy. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So along those lines, so let's go into kind of how. Like I'm gonna go to some other theme songs here, so I have I kind of have these these kind of scores and theme songs and everything kind of I shouldn't say score these themes cut into different bits here how they can set the mood for uh, well yeah and then play them and see if I can get them like we've been doing no this is a uh, this is a good one yeah like not to super dissect it but tension that's what you get like this is. And the, 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 another one of those things that was built out of necessity. John Carpenter, they, they couldn't afford to bring anybody else in. And he was like, okay, I'll just do it myself. He's a musician. He plays keyboard, plays drums, guitar, and stuff. And so he wrote it himself. And it's probably one of the, especially in the horror genre, outside of the John Williams Jaws notes, that as soon as you hear the boom, boom, like you know exactly what it is. That is, yeah, exactly. Like, you, it, dude, that's what, two notes? Oh yeah, two or three notes. It like immediately it puts that you know what you're watching. It makes you think of Jaws. It makes you think of the the shot from below of the girl treading water and yeah. But I'm getting total total tension, like fear, all that because it completely completely drives it and completely memorable. Because without it, it's not as good. Without the without the barrels and without without the score. Without this theme song, your, your Jaws isn't good. Well, getting back to the Halloween theme that I was telling you off air, like we went and saw me and a buddy, my name Steve Carino. He's one of my film nerd buddies that we always kind of geek out about stuff. He got tickets to go see John Carpenter in the Lincoln Ballroom up in New York City. And the guy he was supposed to go with bailed at the last second. So he called me like a day before the show. I was like, hey, dude, I got an extra ticket to see John Carpenter in New York. Do you want to go? And I said, hell yeah, I want to go. Like John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors of all time and so i remember going up and it was the middle of summer and it was so unbelievably hot so we went and it was john carpenter his son and i think like six other musicians and they played at the lincoln the lincoln theater up in new york lincoln ballroom in new york and all he did was he would come on stage and he would tell talk a little bit about a movie and then they would play the theme song while the movie played in the background so he would like all right this is how i came up with the theme for they live or this is how i came up for the the theme for escape from new york or this is how i came up the halloween theme one of the most surreal experiences that i've had i've i've seen a lot of shows i've been to a lot of concerts in my life but that one for me because it crossed both the musical and then 
the movie nerd stuff was one of my favorite all time musical experiences. And I remember walking out afterwards and like being super sweaty. And I think I was, I had like a dress shirt or something on, but I took my dress shirt on and I had my Jack Burton tank top on underneath. And so I'm standing outside in a Jack Burton tank top and three guys walk past like three separate dudes, not together, all wearing the <laughs> same tank top. And they, they all came up and we just hugged each other. And we're like, wasn't that the most awesome thing ever? We're like, yeah, it totally was. And then walked awesome. away. So, yeah. I, I love stuff like that. I remember like early, um, what they call behind the music. Was that the one where, um, not behind the music storytellers, VH one had the storytellers yep. and some of them did it well. Some of them didn't do well. The one with sting, like I need to go back and watch it because he would play like a verse of Roxanne and then stop. And then he'd be like, here's what I'm doing here. Here's what I'm doing here. Here's where the lyric is. Here's like such a master of his craft that yeah. he could start and stop and do it. And then you play the song. And just to understand, like that to me, I was like, I would love. And I watched a bunch of the other ones and they weren't quite as good as the Sting one because people were just like, like they would kind of set up the song and be like, here's what I did on this song. And then they would play the song. They would play the whole Sting thing. Sting was the only one who would be like, here's what I did here. And then he'd stop and then he would go again. And he would stop. It's really, I, I and, love that stuff where people will kind of be like, here's how, here's why I did what I did. And here's how I did it. Yeah. So, okay. So you make fun of me be, for being super nerdy when it comes to movies, right? Steve, like you're one of the ones that kind of like, oh, aren't you overthinking that a little bit? Steve, what you, <laughs> what you described is the musical equivalent of watching a movie with the director's commentary on. So you're nerdier about music where I'm nerdier about movies, but there's no difference. Like I'm, well, I'm one music's of... music's cooler. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it now? <laughs> no, it's not. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right to understand to want to understand the craft and what someone did to put something like this to understand how they made the finished product that you see and enjoy is it, yeah, exactly. I, I would completely agree with you. It's the why. It's the, the, the why behind their choices is always fascinating. So the idea of staying, breaking it down, like, all right, this is when I, you know, move the bass from the, the notes from this, from this range to this range. I did it to evoke a certain, you know what I mean? Like an emotional response. And I do the same thing with movies. Like, why did they choose to shoot it from this angle? And you wanted it to, you wanted this character to feel looming large over the picture. So you shoot it from like this low Dutch angle and it, it, the psychology of that kind of stuff has always fascinated with me. So maybe don't make fun of me for liking that kind of stuff when you're the same way. <laughs> but it's just music. Good, so. good point. So then you have, as you go through and look at the theme song thing, then you have where, and I can't remember the time, like then you get like proper radio songs done by like popular artists that attach it to a movie that then extends the marketing, but also extends the life yeah. of the film so i we're, i was playing this when, when chris joined in before we, we before we started recording because a this is one of the one of those songs that i started playing drums to way back when like like not on the trivial pursuit cards but when i had my <laughs> proper drum set um i would play this and the first time i played in a band it was sean moore had a guitar the only other person i knew that was a musician and we were at like I think I took my drums to McNerney's house, set them up in the backyard, and we played this song. Which I'm jumping into the middle here, but it's Dream Warriors by Dockett, which was from the third. Yep. Was it the third uh, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street? Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, written by Frank Darabont. 
If you also like, think about it, Steve, that's the transition from Scary Freddy to Hokey Freddy. Because that was Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. That was all those one-liners <laughs> that earlier, Freddy wasn't like that, man. Like, the first one, he was kind of just hidden in the shadows, kind of scary. And the second one is, you know, a coming-out story. <laughs> vaguely, right. vaguely hidden behind the uh, the guise of a horror movie. But then the third one is when it starts to go into that little bit more adventure horror type things right. where Freddy's a little bit more of a caricature of the boogeyman that he was. But yeah, it, there's a lot that fall in there. Like, you, oh, wait. I don't... Hold on. Right. Yeah. Right, I mean, this was, this was a craze in the 80s. Like, sure. the song. Like... Ray Parker Jr. Don't know what else he did. Nothing. Nothing at but all. At does he need to? Because, like, I mean, it was it was like the Macarena. Like, it was yeah. a pop culture phenomenon. I have a. I should dig out my Ghostbusters shirt. Um, <laughs> but it was everywhere. Like sure. it was, like it was, and it was like it, it was just a, it was a huge thing. It was just that everybody. The song was a top. I don't. I don't even look it up. Like. Was it a number one hit? I mean, it was probably always on the radio. People were always singing it, and, and again, it was attached to the movie. It's Ghostbusters. Like it, the name is in the title. Oh, see, I have that one. <laughs> that was a Kenny Loggins song. Do you ever remember a, a board game named Tribond? Where they would give you three things and you had to tell, you had to Isn't figure that stuff out. stuff you what... put on to keep from chafing? Yeah, it's gold bond. But oh, was... God. Do you have like a little drum hit? That... <laughs> uh, but there, no, there was a game called Tribond and you, they would give you three things and uh, you had to tell the common link between all three of them. And we used to, my friends and I, in, in, right after I graduated from college, we used to do Sunday night would be board games into the Sopranos. We used to get always get together. We used to play board games and... I'm really good at trivia. My vault of useless knowledge grows bigger every day, and I have a very high retention level. So I used to get stuck with the, the kind of dumber of the girls just because they needed to balance us out. But no, Steve, so the one, I actually, they wouldn't let me play board games with them anymore because of the one question for Tribon was Top Gun, Caddyshack, and National Lampoon's Vacation. And it took me less than a second. I turned and looked, and I said, Kenny Loggins did the theme songs. And they're like, all right, that's it. You're done. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but that's, I always, because we used to play all, like, Trivia Pursuit. I, I'm really good at Trivia Pursuit. And I used to play all these games a little bit as soon as I got that one. Because they're like, there's no way he's going to get this one. And they read it off. And then I was like, do you want the names of each one of the songs that Kenny Loggins did? And they're like, no, you're just not allowed to play anymore. So I just <laughs> sit over in a corner and drink wine by myself. So There you go. Yeah. So then you so you have like the Kenny Loggins songs and then you have a, there's a handful where they um where there is both a recognizable theme song and the uh, a pop like a pop artist song in the same movie. So let me play this one. <laughs> I literally just pulled this up on my phone. That was the next <laughs> one I was gonna play. So you have this like yeah. The Rocky theme, right? Kind of fits into that 70s, 80s. Yeah. Just like Night Court. And then you have Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. But that's the, that I think, I don't know, it's hard. You can't really separate the two. Like, that's, 
either name time another of- Survivor song. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's your time frame, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your genre. That, Fun fact: just- I had a uh, uh, my DW drum pedal. I had way back when. So right, I worked at Lecture B Drums in Erie for years, like seven years, all through high school and then back from college. And even when I was working at the ad agency at Lord after college, I was working there at night. Um, so I would get like used gear and all that stuff came through and we did a clinic. I think they, they did a clinic when I was away, but with Mark Dubry, I think it was Mark Dubry, who's the drummer for Survivor. <laughs> and the giveaway was his drum pedal that he used. So for years, and this was something Dan Rue and I used to joke about, I had Mark Dubai's drum pedal. Like, that's what I played on when I played in silence. I still have it. Like, I have the drum pedal from the guy from, the, from Survivor. Survivor, of course, wrote uh, Eye of the Tiger. Don't know that they did anything else, but that yeah. Eye of the Tiger was there to go to. All right, so now I think we have to think about wrapping up here, and we've got to wrap up with, like, the penultimate um, I don't know what penultimate means. Anyways, but the <laughs> is it second to last? Is that what it is? I think so. I thought is it was second to none, like the penultimate. last, but one in the series. second to last. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the ultimate composer <laughs> wrote all these. We already talked about one of his, which was Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, well, Jaws was his too, right? So yeah. John Williams. I, amazing, right? So I'm going to go through a couple of these. Everybody recognizes them, but I want to go through them in not order of popularity, but there is, like, I think he got better. Like, and, you know, and this, it's hard to beat this, but the popularity of the movie, you know, I, oh. it still gives me goosebumps, dude. Like, if you, yeah. if we had video on, I have goosebumps on my arm. Bump, bump, yeah. Anytime this comes on, I, I tried. I think Brody and I watched one of the other ones, and as soon as it comes on, I do the drum. Like I start banging on the table, and he's just looking at me. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I love these movies." <laughs> but. And then, and then he moved on, and he did so much good stuff. There's so much good stuff in there. Well, that's why like, if we're going on a John Williams one, ah, oh, come on. I don't need an app. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. No. You can't hear it? No. Well, my, my central error also kicked on, so I'm getting a low, a low drone noise. Is that Jurassic Park? It is. All right, yeah, it's, it's, I was pulling that up on my phone. There you go. But completely different, but completely captures the movie. Like, the... The the expanse and wonder of the the island and the everything completely well, yeah, captured it, in this. It's it's shot or it's it's alongside when they first go to Isla del Soro, I think is what the name of the island is, and they're they're flying in on the helicopter, and they, it gets that big grandiose with the Tiffany drums and the loud, and it and it's right as they're coming by that giant waterfall, and they're landing on this island of yeah, dinosaurs. Oh, like so you just good. feel like you're in it, and. And then this one. Can you hear it? I can't. Oh, yeah. That's Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, Steve. Like, Harry Potter's got a theme, but it also has amazing scores. Like, that's one of those ones that the man here in Philly does these outside concerts where they get the Philadelphia Orchestra together and they play. Mm -hmm. They're doing a Harry Potter series where they're doing all of 
the movies in order. Like, I think they just did Azkaban or whatever the one right after that was. The Goblin. Do they project the movie and then play the score? As or, they're doing it, yeah. Oh, God, I would go they, do that. In a Steve, they, they, one of my buddies had a ticket for me, but I couldn't. Dude, they did Empire. They did all, they're doing all Star Wars, too, like all the oh, way from man. the beginning. Yeah, like that's, and it's outside, and you can bring picnic baskets and, and things like that. Like, it's just, I love, and it's not. That's not for everybody. Like, not everybody wants to go watch a movie without dialogue and just listen to the music from it. But to me, that's that's nerd nirvana, right? And I would I totally pay to go see that. Like, I sure. would totally any of those. Just because it's like it's so big. Like, there's you just it's when you get an orchestra like that putting out all those instruments, yeah. it's just so much bigger than you can do recorded. And they've done such. Like movie theaters, we have got two state-of-the-art theaters within 20 minutes of our house where we go, and it's amazing when you sit in there the the sound quality. But live orchestra, live band, still top-notch. Well, see, one of the ones I want to bring up too, Steve, is that you don't really get those massive theme songs as much anymore. Like you brought up Jaws is what 40 years old, Jurassic Park's 25 years old, Star mm-hmm. Wars is 40 years old, Harry Potter. I mean, the last one came out what 10 years ago. So it's weird you don't get those those hardcore theme songs anymore except for the one that you said you don't really like, but it's my ring. I shouldn't say I don't like it. I just didn't... Yeah, it, it, but it immediately recognizable as the Avengers. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I think name another one from the last five years. Exactly. Like even like there's a couple songs in the original Captain America, the first Avenger, it's called the Star Spangled Man. It's the one where they do the montage of him doing the bond the the like the engagements where he sings with the girls. You know what I'm talking about from the very first Captain America with Steve Ru- or with uh Chris Evans? Yeah, yeah. The I think it's Alan Silvestri or one of the, Danny Elfman maybe did it, but he they wanted to do this old like big band kind of theme song for him and it's called the star spangled man the, the star spangled man i love that but i didn't at first and it's the same thing with that avengers when they when it first came on the screen in the first avengers movie the first time they got together i loved it at first but then i upon rewatching, the first avengers isn't very good the the later what the later marvel movies are obviously better because they find and captain america's in tights but i'm glad they made a joke about that in endgame but <laughs> I didn't like it at first, but then it grew on me, and now I, I absolutely love it's. That's my ringtone. Like I didn't even have to pull it up on the internet. I just had to go into my ringtones and bring that up. But I was telling you off air, it's thrown me off so much the past two weeks since Endgame came out on video that they're running commercials on radio on TV, <laughs> and so like I constantly think my phone is ringing all the time. It's like is that my phone? They're like, no, it's a commercial for the Avengers. I was like, damn it. So, speaking of theme songs and ringtones, so this was oh, 15 years ago. Um, you know, I had a Nokia phone, and to get the, to get a ringtone on it was like a, that was a, like a, a that was an effort in techni- like and technology. Sure. You had to hook things up. So I had I had two theme songs on my phone. One was I had the Star Wars theme, and then I had the theme from Chips. 
<laughs> and I was in this big meeting at uh, a client, and it was like eight o'clock in the morning, and everything. And somebody calls my phone, and the theme just <laughs> starts just playing. And I was like, it was one of those things. I was like, oh man, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. Well, if anybody in that room was a big Chips fan, you immediately became best friends. But otherwise, you just thought you were a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what is that? The theme from. Well, I used to have. I'm a big fan of movie ringtones, so I used to have this as as mine. Oh, come on, ad! Stupid YouTube. That's what I told you. You can't do the phone with ads. It's five seconds. This was my ringtone for a while. I like the identifiable regardless because they've modified it and they changed it and I don't like how they always do the new theme songs for the new ones this mm-hmm. is this is the James Bond theme like right this should so be I had I had that on my list and I didn't when I was grabbing all the songs and that was another one that we played in prep band like in addition to Night Court and to uh, Magnum P.I. we did James Bond yeah because immediately recognizable right that guitar riff that sure. immediately recognizable and it has a good horn. Anything you needed horns, otherwise the horn section would sit there and be like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so others that we missed, right? So, and I don't have it up here. Flash Gordon. <laughs> like, sh- sure. <laughs> like, yeah. not, I mean, the Queen Flash Gordon song. I mean, that was, it kind of goes into the realm of like the Ghostbusters or whatever. It was like the, the title of the movie's in the song, but that's a, like, that's fun. It's recognizable. What plaything can you offer me today? Hmm. An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer hmm, to it as it. the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Oh, come on. There you go. Yeah, you have to play Max von Sydow's cackle. Right. Will you destroy this? So good. <laughs> so good. That's what I mean. Like, if they end up remaking Flash, which they're, they've been talking about for a while, like, they have to use that, right? Or at least a modified version of it. Correct? Steven? I would hope so. <laughs> I, 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 really, I would hope so. Um,. Put it on here. So a couple others. And I wasn't. I think didn't John Williams also do? Um, did he do Back to the Future? No, no. That's Danny Elfman. Hold on. But wait, did but I see? I don't think of. I don't think of Back to the Future having a theme song outside of. You the think power of Hulu's in the news. <laughs> power of Love. Ba- like that's what I think of. That's a good call. Like, that's what I mean. There's ones that, yeah, it probably has theme music, but I associate Power of Love more so than I would whatever the other one is. Let's see what the full cast and crew I would agree. I would agree. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Danger Zone with, uh, with Top Gun. We'll see you then. Oh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, that's a All good right. one. And the fact that they brought the original Mission Impossible theme into the, the Tom Cruise movies. Which, I, I, dude, I will defend. 
those movies are awesome. Those movies yeah. are better better than the Fast and the Furious movies, and I will fight anybody. Like Fast, <laughs> Fast and Furious is just like lowbrow, big action. Where Mission Impossible, like as much as I I might not like Tom Cruise outside of his screen persona, those movies are great. The the last one, Fallout with Henry Cavill as as the 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 CIA agent that gets stuck alongside him is so good. I just rewatched it and for Tom Cruise to learn how to fly a helicopter so they could do those heli- Did you see the newest one, Steve? I haven't seen it, no. All right, so even if you don't want to watch the movie, they they always do like No, I, I love the MI movies. I just, you know. Well, they got do- a long list of stuff to watch. No, that's what I mean. So they do like a 10-minute featurette about like the big action stuff, like the action scenes, like the one where he was strapped to the outside of the plane for the uh, for ghost protocol or whatever it is. But the most recent one has a whole helicopter chase sequence in it. And so Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise were talking about how they were going to capture it. And they were like, well, our only other option is teach Tom how to fly a helicopter and strap the IMAX cameras to the wings and, like, the rudders and stuff. And then we'll just record it that way. And then, like, laughed. And Tom, Tom Cruise was like, okay, give me six months. And he, goes, <laughs> and, he, and he learned how to fly a helicopter. And the guy, the, the helicopter specialist that they had on the stunt team goes i know people that have been flying helicopters for 20 years that won't try some of the stunts that tom cruise is doing and he just does it because he wants he wants it to look amazing so I, I, yeah look at be authentic yep yeah just watch that so all right what else you got oh man hold on i've gone through my whole list except for saturday night fever see this is one of those ones i, I believe it was written for a different movie and it got rejected and i don't remember what the original oh come on ads <laughs> it was written but steve you immediately as soon as you hear it oh yeah 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 it was originally Danny or uh, Randy Newman wrote it for somebody else or for another another Disney movie, and they rejected it. Mm-hmm. And so they just he they offered it up for Toy Story, and now it's it's inextricable from it. Like you hear that those that that horn start, and I immediately know I'm watching a Titanic. Yeah, yeah. And then you but, could put you know you put Happy for Despicable Me. Was it yep. Despicable Me too? Um, um, See, we could do it. Smash entire- Mouth has a whole career around because of Shrek, right? Yeah, like- yeah, exactly. It, the resurgence of Smash Mouth and the fact that they're still touring probably has something to do with Shrek. <laughs> yeah, it has I mean, to. that was it. The whole all, all star, and then they did the. So good. You know that one, right? No, I'm thinking it's in the James Bond at Mission Impossible. What am I thinking of? What am I missing? What is or it? It's an animated movie. It's the Incredibles theme. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's all right. Got it. Yeah. So, Steve, I, I, we could just keep going. Steve. I could do animated ones for another. No, let's do, we're going to do a whole show on animated animated stuff. All right, hold on. I got one more. This is what uh, I brought it up. I missed first... all the Danny Elfman stuff, though, too. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. You could do, we, could do, we could do this all day. Yeah. Well, no. And so the one that I'm bringing up now is going to be the last one. that The first time I brought this up to Erin, I always bring the topic up to her first. And 
this is the first one she came back. She just turned and she just goes, well, clearly, it's got to be I Will Always Love You from the Bodyguard soundtrack. And I was like, wait, yeah, you're kind of right. So good. But you don't agree? No, no. I mean, you're, you're spot on. We have to wait. You got to watch it or you have to listen at least until it kicks in. You got to hear Whitney sing, man. Like... <laughs> Everybody talks about Mariah Carey being one of the greatest singers of all time. Like, no, people that grew up in our time no, frame. Yeah. Right I remember here. being like. Oh. Not that that's good. Ended on all right, a down so, note. So, and I had this, I brought, so, yeah, a bunch of stuff here. Uh, I busted out, and our sister's favorite movie, I busted out the vinyl for Purple Rain yesterday. <laughs> Damn right. Like, like, come on. I mean, <laughs> that and that the songs on that album, like, killer. Sure. So, I mean, that's a whole other one. Um, there was something else. Oh, okay. Uh, no, that was it. <laughs> what else you got? No, sorry. I've got like 17 things. I'm all hyped up on coffee. I'm um, sure. You probably don't know the movie, but you know the song. No, this is Chariots of Fire. Yeah. yeah. Van- Vangelis. Oh, and I have 2001 A Space Odyssey on here, uh-huh. too. That's what I mean, Steve. I, I'm only halfway through <laughs> my list at this point in time. We're at an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. All right, so I we right. probably should wrap up. Um, yeah, I could keep going on that stuff for yeah, a while. Because we didn't play cu- Superman. We didn't play Pink Panther. We didn't play Man, uh, in, Man in Black. We didn't it? play Good, Bad, and the Ugly. We didn't play Frozen. We didn't play <laughs> right. the, the Lego movie. We didn't play The Graduate, Titanic, Pulp Fiction, Shaft. Oh, Shaft. Right? Like, <laughs> once yeah, I started yeah. doing a list and I hit my second column, I'm like, oh, man, this is a long topic. Yeah. But right, it, shows, so, it, it shows both of us love music. You you love it from more of like a technical aspect. We're all mine. Like Steve, even the music that I have on my iPod is all from movies. It's all like I don't get new music from like radio anymore. It's like I see a movie and I like the song. Like I have the John Wick soundtrack on my phone. Yeah, nice. I have the song where he goes through the the big gunfight through the nightclub. I love the the two song the two techno songs that they play. So I just downloaded the whole soundtrack. Nice. I have, and I, I think I still have it. If I have it, I'll post a picture. I have the the Fletch soundtrack on cassette. cassette. Yep. Because, I, and I had it and I used it. So when I took audio production in college, you needed to have bed music <laughs> behind all your stuff. So everything I did had the, the, the Harold Faltemeyer Fletch music in the background. That's awesome. Um, so, and that, part of the reason I need to wrap up is uh, going to the record store. Um, yeah. So love love vinyl. Like I said, I was li- listening. Uh, I still have most of the vinyl, all the vinyl that I had from from growing up. Um, some of it's not in great condition. Yeah. Um, it got melted from a light that we had over top of the record player, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, still plays. My Motley Crue, shout out to Devil, still plays. <laughs> it's extremely warped. Um, two quick things as we wrap up, and I should have mentioned this earlier when you were talking about the Avengers. So I mentioned I was on YouTube, and that's how we stumbled across Charlie, the the, the stuff you and I did. Yep. Um, but it's suggested of you know how YouTube suggests a video, and there's a video out there, and I'll post it. 
it is the cast of the Avengers reading all these nasty tweets. <laughs> have you seen that. it? I have. I have. It's hilarious. Like yeah. the things that people tweet at people. And then it goes into like at least three minutes of Chris Evans laughing. And he laughs like he has I a love, ridiculous laugh. I love Chris Evans. I love I, I, I loved him all the way back from Not Another Teen Movie when he was like just the kind of a schmuck in like that parody movie. And then he did a movie called Cellular with Kim Basinger where he plays like a uh, uh, he's like a high schooler, maybe early college, where he has to become like an unlikely hero. He's so good mm. in it. I got a weird crush on Chris Evans. <laughs> and then to, to to wrap this all up, right? So, and, and you always give me a hard time about tweeting, but I, I saw this yesterday. I retweeted it, and I don't know if you saw it yet. So, Browns preseason game yesterday against the Colts. Um, OBJ's coming out. Oh, with the drums. Grabs the sticks from yeah. the kid traditional like drum core style like you don't you don't accidentally fall in it like like you've never played drums before when you rock a traditional grip which is holding your each hand is like a different direction yep and he rocks out a little drum core like <sighs> the little drum beat, roll yeah and then and goes back and runs out like i'm in i'm in but, on obj well, I mean, even if that was staged because you can see a security guy in the background like, i don't care it was, i don't care but it, it yeah, it, it could have been staged, awesome. but he was a Colts. That was a Indianapolis Colts drumline kid. Like he wasn't a. It wasn't a Browns plant. The guy's right. wearing Colts blue. Like he comes out exactly. and, and he just yelled, I, "Dude, I'm 100 percent in on this team, and I'm back in on the tribe. I've been watching a ton of Indians game. Just when I thought I could stop watching baseball, they have to go on like the best run since July 1st. And yeah, yeah, get my hopes. And, up again. You know, and oh, man, they were playing the Yankees tight. They played Boston tight. You know, it's dude. They beat the Yankees 19 to five. It's a football know. score. <laughs> It is, but then they lost the next two, so they got to win today. Um, anyways, I'm in, I'm in on the Browns. I'm in on Baker doing his Phil Collins drum drum solo every warm up. I'm in on the whole team. Yeah, I can't wait for us to go see him. That we're going to go see him what week ten, so yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. Huh. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, so with that, uh, another seventy three minutes in. <laughs> um, that's about our average, right? Yep. Um, That'll do it for this episode of Match Wits. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter um, uh, at Match Wits uh, is the, uh, the the follow there. Uh, website's MatchWits.com. Uh, please give us likes, reviews, anything to help spread the word about this podcast. We certainly enjoy uh, doing it. We love getting feedback from from listeners out there. Uh, you can download us uh, Spotify. Spotify is just redoing their podcast app, by the way. I got a note on that, so. Hope that's uh, good stuff for us. Maybe more visibility for Match Wits. Um, the Himalaya app, uh, Google Play, and iTunes, uh, as always. And with that, Chris, take us out. I bid you adieu. All right. Later. See you, brother. It's true.